Chapter three, cold pizza and cold cases. Pao woke up for the day at 10, her body adjusting to summer vacation much faster than it had ever adjusted to the school year schedule. No more dreams, she noted, satisfied by her brain's return to reason. Her mom would still be asleep, and Pao probably had an hour before Mrs. Chavez showed up for her weekly remedial. Mrs. Chavez had arthritis, and she had paid Pao's mom to ease her pain with tea and salves made from the herbs on the patio. The mystery of how her mom always got up on time without a clock was one Pao had accepted she would never solve with science. Pao was under strict orders not to be on the premises during tarot readings or curos, which her mom did for extra money. Her mom never said it directly, but Pao knew she was supposed to stay away because her skepticism interfered with the vibe, like she was a microwave oven and not a 12-year-old who got sick of wandering the neighborhood in record-breaking heat while her mom pretended to do magic. Hopefully, mom will get real money this time, Pao thought. Sometimes she lets clients pay with books or eggs or massages or, worst of all, IOUs. The refrigerator door was plastered with blue post-it notes from Mrs. Jacobs, who always brought one with a dollar on it in lieu of with a dollar sign on it in lieu of cash. Pao's mom never turned anyone away. She was she said healing was a calling. On the kitchen table was a plate with two pieces of cold pizza from the bar where her mom worked, along with another note. If we had a dog, you would have been up four hours ago to wait to walk him. Plus, he would have eaten your breakfast. See you after the curo. XO, mom. It would be so worth it, Pow told the neighborhood cat, Charlie, who was prowling around the, pa the patio. Pow ate the first piece of pizza in two bites, slid open the door, and tossed the crust to him. He sniffed it suspiciously before deciding it was a prize worth carrying away. Pow was obviously a dog person, and you'd never catch her cuddling a cat. But the Riverside Palace had its own ecosystem, and Pow had a grudging respect for Charlie and the other wild cats for keeping roof rats and scorpions away. After a quick shower and the daily hunt for her notebook and pen, in case any brilliant ideas, in case of any brilliant ideas, obviously, Pow barely made it out of the house before her mom woke up. She heard her door open just as the front door was closing. It was a dance they'd been doing all summer, avoiding each other as their differences became too big for their tiny space to hold. The heat outside was oppressive, at, even at 11, and although she'd planned to spend the day doing scientific research on the library computer with occasional breaks to look up dog breeds her mom couldn't possibly refuse, maybe a hypoallergenic breed like the West Highland White Terrier or a Border Collie which rescued people from natural disasters, Pal calculated her personal temperature to distance to motivation ratio and muttered, forget it, to the Riverside Palace's resident sprawling dusty cactus. Sighing, she turned up the stairs to Dante's apartment instead and knocked, barely waiting for Signora Mata's adelante before walking in. Good morning, Signora, Pal said to Dante's abuela, who was sitting in front of what had to be the third broadcast of the morning news. Okay, if I hang out here again today, my mom has a client. Senora Mata muttered something in Spanish before crossing herself. When she looked back up at Pau, there was pity in her eyes. Pau knew it meant she was welcome, as always, but that Pau's mom could use some assistance from heaven. Well, I'll just be in Dante's room, Pau said loudly enough for him to hear, in case he was doing any weird boy stuff in there. Even so, she waited outside the door for as long as she could stand before knocking. Dante answered, looking normal, though his hair sticking up at weird angles, no styling gel in sight. 
As usual, his room smelled like dirty socks and his abuela's Florida water, which she used for cleaning despite its distinct lack of antibacterial properties. Pao's mom was obsessed with the stuff too. It was one of the many things the two of them had in common, including devotional candles and questionable taste in tamale fillings. She walked into the room behind him. Pao remembered Dante's blush and her own fizzy feelings of curiosity that last night, and she wondered if any if things would be awkward between them today. But apparently the weirdness was like bioluminescence, harder to spot in the daylight. Well, that was one hypothesis anyway. She'd have to keep working on it before as more data came in. Dante tossed her a lukewarm can of Coke and a PlayStation controller before flopping down into his nest of twisted blankets and changing the racing game to two-player, just like always. Am I coming by? Dante asked. Nah, said Pau, as she selected the pinkest car and the driver with the 90s high ponytail, just so it would be more annoying when she beat him. She has a piano lesson today, then lunch with her parents at the club. Dante nodded, and Pau immediately felt bad for using her phony posh voice. Emma never sounded like that. That was her life. The same way it, it, this was one this one was Pau's. It just felt strange that they were so far apart sometimes, like Emma was in a world Pau couldn't reach. Case in point, the only time Pau had ever eaten lunch with the Lockwoods at the country club, she had accidentally ordered duck, which was called something fancy and French she'd been embarrassed to ask about. And she used the wrong fork, as Emma had gently informed her in a whisper. Pau hadn't had the guts to go back there since, and she still apologized under her breath every time she saw a live duck. In the two-small bedroom, which was already heating up, Pau won the first two races without even trying. They talked sparingly as they continued the tournament, Dante managing to get by her in one round and doing a horrifying victory dance. When Senora Mata called Almuerzo an hour or so later, Pao was grateful for the break. It was only a matter of time before Dante would get sulky about losing. Pao knew some girls let boys win just to keep them interested, but beating Dante was one of the great joys of her life. No matter, no amount of new nocturnal boy-girl strangeness was going to replace that. Dante's arm brushed hers as he stood up. Pao's stomach and all the organs around it seemed to swoop. I'm still not letting him win, she told her stupid body. The layout of Dante's apartment was identical to Pau's, but while Pau's mom had left their main room open to hold all her bookshelves and small altars, Signora Mata had divided hers into a living room and dining room. In this house, we don't eat in front of the TV like heathens, the Signora liked to say, ignoring the fact that the only thing that separated the table from the TV in question was a floral print couch, not to mention the fact that the TV was always on. During lunch, Pau had to use a lot of brain power to keep her elbow from touching Dante's. Unfortunately, it wasn't distracting enough to block out the news broadcast. Pau always found the local news depressing, and today was no exception. According to the anchor, it was the one-year anniversary of Marisa Martinez's drowning in the Gila River. Her body had never been found. Such a shame, the senora said in accented English for Pau's Spanish challenge benefit. She was so beautiful. Pau hated it when people talked about Marissa, although she did her best to hide it. Marissa had been the town darling, Latina but blonde and barely sun-kissed, so everyone could feel good about loving her. She'd been popular in school while Pau was the weirdo with only two friends and the I need more space t-shirt. Regrettably, Pau had been the butt of one too many of, Mar of Marissa's jokes. Two years 
older, Marissa had always made fun of Pao's obsession with goofy space stuff and her tendency to smell like Erbias. Erbas. She also mocked Pao's mom for looking out of it at fundraisers and school programs. It was strange when someone you didn't like died prematurely. Pao was sorry about what had happened to Marissa, of course, but she always had a squirming guilty feeling when anyone brought it up. Today, though, the guilt was second to the reminder of Pao's strange experience at the river yesterday, the ribbleless splash, the nightmare that had followed. The news moved on, reporting on a string of child abductions up north near Mesa. As the anchor talked excitedly about a possible suspect in the kidnappings, grainy security camera footage showed a tall, lanky figure with dark hair and pixelated features. A shiver traveled down Pao's spine. The guy in the video didn't look much older than the teenage boys who hung out in apartment F. Pao knew he couldn't be one of them, though. Mesa was too far away. She tried to listen to the story, but Senora Mata was still clucking about beautiful Marissa. Yeah, it was a tragedy, Pao said, irritation buzzing in her chest like a swarm of yellow jackets, but not because she was blonde and pretty, because she was a person, and people's lives are valuable, whether they're beautiful or not. Senora Mata's mouth fell open, revealing a piece of green pepper stuck in her dentures. The air in the room seemed to evaporate, and Pao felt an entirely different kind of swoop in her stomach. Fear, this time, but the angry buzzing was still there, too. Well, I think that's enough lunch, Dante said, grabbing Pao's plate and standing up between his abuela and his friend before either one could get seriously injured. Pao was just leaving, weren't you, Pao? Goodbye, see you next time, he nudged her toward the door with his foot, still holding both of their plates, three quarters of Pao's meal, untouched. At the door, he said in a sharp whisper, can't talk to her like that. She's just old. She doesn't know any better. That's no excuse, Pao said, her own brown skin and dark hair glaring at her from the mirror at, that Senora Mata had hung by the door to ward off bad energy. If we don't talk about our messed up beauty standards, how will they ever change? As Dante's expression hardened, Pao knew she would take the all the boy-girl weirdness in the world over the storm clouds gathering between them. But she wasn't wrong, so she didn't apologize. Some things are worth standing up for, she told herself, even though her chest ached. Not every fight is your fight, he said, still clearly frustrated as she opened the door. Oh yeah, she asked, her temper flaring. And what's your fight, Dante? He rolled his eyes. You're my fight, Pal. Pal wasn't sure what he meant by that, so she didn't answer before he shut the door behind her. Through the open window, he could hear his abuela berating him in Spanish, probably asking why he'd bothered with such a loudmouthed girl when he could be searching for a silent blonde supermodel girlfriend who did nothing but cook. If I had a dog, Pao thought, I trained it to pee on her doormat. All afternoon, Pao tried to forget what had happened at lunch by brainstorming natural resources for rocket fuel and eating what had to be her body weight in Starburst. When she ran out of pink, she just kept going, reds, oranges, and even a dreaded yellow a sign of emotional distress if there ever was one. All she managed to put in her notebook was a sugar-smudged sketch of the river. If she unfocused her eyes, she could almost see a ghostly hand rising out of the water, like in her dream. When a knock sounded on her apartment door for, at 5.45, Pau tried to beat her mom to it in case it was Dante. She didn't quite make it in time, so all three of them ended up in the living room together, their eyes watering from candle smoke and incense. What are you two up to tonight? Pao's mom asked, sliding in a hoop earring as she prepared for an early shift. Nothing much, Pao said quickly. 
too quickly. Her mom's face lost its dreaminess and focused on, in on her immediately. Paola, we're using Emma's telescope, okay? It's practically homework. As long as you're not going anywhere near the river. No, ma'am. Pal put on her best innocent act and willed Dante to do the same. It wasn't her fault the riverbank was the only place where it was cool enough to hang out and dark enough for stargazing. Good, said her mom, now distractedly searching the living room for her other high heel. Because you know La Llorona haunts the gila. There have been sightings. You don't want to get caught out when she's searching for her lost children. Mom, Pal snapped, embarrassment in her, making her cheeks hot. I know, I know, you don't believe in ghosts, she said, like she hadn't just humiliated her only daughter. But they're saying there's a murderer in Mesa, so you stick close to home, you hear me? Mesa is miles from here, Pal said dismissively, and according to the news, those kids are being abducted, not murdered. But her mom didn't hear. She was too busy digging out her other shoe from under a couch cushion. Aha! Found it! She slid the low-heeled shoe onto one foot while hopping on the other, her purse strap in her mouth. When she finally had herself together, she swooped in, smelling like rose oil, to kiss Pao on the cheek. I love you, Miha, she said. Be responsible. N and no river. I'm serious. I love you too, Mom, Pao said, discreetly wiping lipstick off her cheek. Make sure she stays out of trouble, okay? Her mom said to Dante, and to Pao's infinite embarrassment, kissed him on the cheek too. Then at last she was gone. She's still going on about La Llorona, huh? Dante asked when they were alone, his tone forced, their earlier argument still looming between them. Even my abuela stopped with that one when they when I turned ten. Now she just threatens me with the chancla, much scarier. Pao had only been on the business end of the chancla, Senora Mata's petrified old slipper, once, when she'd accidentally set fire to a macrame plant holder while trying to prove that you couldn't put out an oil fire with water. But she privately agreed that La Llorona was child's play in comparison. I just can't believe my mom actually thinks that junk, that junk as reality, accepts that junk as reality. Pao's embarrassment was making her mean. She could tell, but she couldn't stop. Spirits haunting the riverbank? At least the maybe kidnapper is an actual person, even if he is like three counties away. She circled the room, blowing out candles. Her mom would have been furious that she didn't thank the ancestors first. She says she's more in tune with ghosts and spirits because of her tarot and healing work, Pal said, which is just... Dante was getting this glazed over look. After all their years of... After all their years of friendship, he could recognize a mom rant coming from a mile away. Sorry, she said, grabbing her shoulder bag. I hope you brought snacks, because there's nothing here, as usual, and I ate all the Starburst. Dante patted his backpack reassuringly. Rode my bike to 7-Eleven earlier. Abuela let me have the couch change. Pao nodded her appreciation, glancing up at him and finding him looking back. Their gaze lasted a beat too long, sending Pao's stomach swooping again as she looked away. Dante shifted uncomfortably and pushed his hair out of his eyes. Pao's stomach swooped yet again. She told it to knock it off. Hey, he finally said, and about what happened at lunch. No, it's okay, Pao said. She's your grandma. I know it's hard to... I talked to her, Dante said, after you left. Told her that stuff you said about beauty standards or whatever. I don't know if she got it for sure, but... Maybe it was the 7,000 milligrams of sugar coursing through her veins, or the promise of the telescope, but Pao didn't let him finish. She stepped forward and hugged him for a long time, his backpack awkwardly knocking into her shoulder bag. Thanks, she said when she finally let go. Dante was blushing again. Um, yeah, sure. No big deal. 
They walked to the river in silence, but it was a comfortable one. Considering the roller coaster their friendship had, had been lately, Pow held on tight to the feeling. When they reached their usual spot near the ancient twisted juniper, Emma wasn't there yet. Pow pulled the blanket from her bag and spread it on the rocky sand. The water looked almost still, the surface deceptively mild as cur dangerous currents flowed underneath. Pow shuddered when she thought of her dream, the hand with Emma's ring, the depths of the river. She pushed the memory away. Dante and Pow sat with their backs against a rock, Dante flipping through a comic, Pow doodling in her notebook, the comfortable silence persisting. Pow didn't want to break it. After twenty minutes of waiting, Dante opened his backpack and started shoving peanut butter crackers into his mouth. For once, snacking was the last thing on Pow's mind. Emma's always on time, she said, more to the ground than to Dante. He wasn't a worrier. Chill, he said, holding out a sleeve of crackers. Have one. But food didn't quell the unnecessary, the uneasy feeling in Pau's stomach. Emma was never late. She should have been there already. Okay, this is officially weird, Pau said when it had been an hour and the light was beginning to fade in the sky. She probably forgot, Dante said, but even he was pacing now, his dark eyes darting around the riverbank to the cactus field in the east. They both knew that was unlikely, but it was comforting to hope, so Pau played along. Yeah, maybe she lost track of time reading comics or something. We can try again tomorrow. Dante rubbed the back of his neck self-consciously, not meeting Pau's eyes. What? she asked, a little more snappily than she'd meant to. Nothing, Dante said. It's just, I'm supposed to play soccer with the guys at the park tomorrow. Pau tried not to react. Because of Dante's new soccer friends, Emma and Pau had eaten lunch without him more often than not this past year. Pau had thought summer would be a safe time when they could hang out with Dante like they always had and not worry about him getting too cool for them. You guys could come, Dante offered, but she could tell he didn't really want them to. For the next ten minutes, they sat in silence, Pau trying to pretend that this summer would be just like all the past ones they'd spent together. Yet she knew it wouldn't. Seventh grade was living, and everything was changing too fast. Let's go back home and call Emma, Pau said, her alternating worries about her two best friends making tears spring to her eyes. She folded the blanket to give her nervous hand something to do. Maybe her parents wouldn't let her go out and she couldn't get a hold of us to say. I bet that's it, Dante said. He didn't tease her about overthinking it and he picked up the cracker wrappers without Pow having to lecture him about the river's delicate ecosystem so she knew he was worried too. It almost made her feel better. They were just turning their backs on the river when Pow saw it, a shadow on the opposite bank only a silhouette against the sunset from here, but definitely a person lurking behind some reeds. Is it Emma? Pau wondered, squinting. Maybe she just hadn't spotted them, but Pau stayed quiet as she pondered some instinct stopping her from calling out. It didn't take long for her to realize that the shape was larger than Emma, and it wasn't a girl either. What was the guy doing? She would have assumed he was fishing if the pesticides in the river hadn't given all the fish three heads. Not literally, of course. The toxins in runoff hurt fish by depleting oxygen in the water, but genetic manipulation was, as far as Pau knew, a fantasy. If this were one of her graphic novels, Pau and Dante would go up to the guy and follow him in some into some surreal situation that would end up, up with them magically finding their missing friend. But this wasn't a book, and Pau had to admit she was a little freaked by the prospect of talking to a random stranger, even though Dante was with her. Should we... Go find out if he's seen Emma, she asked him, wanting to appear braver than she felt. Yeah, right, Dante said, taking her arm and pulling her away as quietly as possible. Are you nuts? We're going home to call her. 
Fine, Pa said, pretending to be irritated, but deep down she was glad he'd given her an excuse to walk away. Just before they were out of sight, Pa turned back to look. The sunset was fading, the reeds were still, and the figure was nowhere to be seen.